When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Episode 125 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks, offering a month of unrestricted use, totally free right now, and you do not need a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Like look at my resume and say, if someone were to read this resume, would they give me the job that I really want, that I'm best at, that I'll, I'll be most successful at, that I'll win it? Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where leadership is the core of our discussion each week. And we also talk about topics like personal development, productivity, career, business, marketing, entrepreneurship, and a lot more. And in a moment, you and I are going to be joined by Louis Efron. He's the author of How to Find a Job, Career, and Life You Love, A Journey to Purpose, Fulfillment, and Life Happiness. I'll ask Lewis about things like how to recast your resume to better reflect the job or career you're seeking, the clues your childhood might hold to discovering what you were meant to do, what to do if and when your true gifts aren't necessarily obvious to you, and much, much more. I am thrilled to be able to bring the Read to Lead podcast to you free of charge each and every week. I wish it were free for me, too, but uh, that is not the case. There are some expenses involved, and I want you to know that helping offset some of those expenses for this episode are the fine folks at the cloud accounting software FreshBooks. It's the accounting software that I personally have been using myself for nearly seven years, and I cannot recommend it more highly. Using FreshBooks, you can create invoices in literally about 30 seconds. You can add things like your logo and color scheme so that your invoices reflect your brand. Your clients can pay online, which seriously, trust me, improves how quickly you get paid. And there are a few things more important than that. You can track expenses through FreshBooks. There's cash flow tracking, time tracking. But the most important thing I think for you to remember is that getting started on FreshBooks is extremely simple, even if you're not a numbers person. And I would go so far to say that's the case, especially if you're not a numbers person. Right now, FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use. That means you can use all the features for an entire month, and it's totally free. You don't even need a credit card to take advantage of this. To claim your free month right now, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Louis Efron is a contributing writer for Forbes and Huffington Post, an award-winning Fortune 300 human resources executive, theatrical director, entrepreneur, charity leader, and founder of The Voice of Purpose, 
at lewisefron.com. His most recent book is called How to Find a Job, Career, and Life You Love, A Journey to Purpose, Fulfillment, and Life Happiness. Well, Lewis, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm excited to have you on the show and thrilled to be late to the party, the latest reader of your book. Great. Well, thank you for having me, Jeff. It's really an honor to be here. Well, early in the book, Lewis talks about uh, the fact that recent polls suggest that 80% of us or more sometimes are not jumping out of bed every morning, raring to race to our job. So, so Lewis, let's talk about that. We've got this one life. Why is it so many of us are, are not happier? What I sort of attempted to do in my book is really put some strategy around life change and trying to fulfill your purpose and get in a place where you're happy and you're succeeding and you're winning. And I think the challenge is, from what I see from my perspective, is there are so many people that feel stuck in what they're doing. And to change a life that's sometimes so embedded is not easy. I'm not saying that anything I'm talking about, fulfilling your purpose and pursuing your purpose and achieving that purpose in life is necessarily an easy road. Some people are very lucky and they, they fall into it early in life. But in most cases, it takes a strategy and it takes time to get off the treadmill of life for a moment and just think about what you really want, ask some good questions, try to align yourself, try to experiment at least on the side if you have to keep your core job at the time to try to get yourself on a new path. But it's not an easy road. It, you know, all opportunity requires some work and some effort. And so I think that's the main issue that I see is a lot of people feel either stuck or they don't have the, let's say, the confidence to make a change, or they simply feel that they, they can't make the change. But I firmly believe that anybody can realign their lives and get themselves into a place where they're going to be happier and more fulfilled. But it just takes getting off the treadmill and really thinking about life a little bit. And that's what I intended to do with this book is really offer some questions and strategy on how to do that. Hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of, of John Acuff, um, that I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of his. And um, one of the things I've heard him talk about is something that, that you address as well. And, and I want to ask, what clues might our childhood hold to, to discovering what we, were, what we were meant to do with our lives? Yeah, you know, I think there's, there's a, a professor of mine a long time ago was a great quote. He said that um, don't look at the ants when there's elephants walking by. And what he meant by that is really just keep your eyes and ears open. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look through your life and the things that you've been most drawn to and the things you were most interested in, and certainly when you look back as a child, what you like doing most. I, mean, I used to love playing with Legos, and I still do. I still have Legos sitting at my desk right today as we speak here. Um, it's something that's always – I always love fixing things and, um, and making things and creating things. So if you look back in your childhood and where you spent your most time and what your most interests are I – mean, I was on a plane the other day with a uh, professor that said when he was six years old, he was picking up stones and streams, and he, had, he was fascinated by that, and he turned it into a career. Well, a lot of people, again, don't get that lucky, but if you're – any point in your life, you can look back and think, what, what was I really interested in? What, did I, what was I drawn to most? What type of people did I like around me? What type of conversations did I have? What did I do most? Mm-hmm. And those are huge signs as to potentially where your core purpose and what your interests and your strengths and your passions are. Um, but you need to take a little time again to, to look back and reflect on those things. You hinted at this a, a moment ago. Uh, there's an intentionality to this. Living a life with purpose just doesn't happen by, by accident. Uh, and you say, in your case, you, you made it happen. So, so ha- what are some of the ways that we can, we can do the same? Yeah, definitely. Had I had my book that I've had to find a job career in life you love that 
I have out there now. If I had I had that early in life, I would have been able to get on my path so much quicker and had even so much so much more success even earlier in life. But my path has been a process of really experimentation, trial and error, ups and downs. It's been a journey to get me to where I'm today, where I finally discovered what I need to be doing and my place in life and where I'm going to have the most impact and leave the biggest legacy and really have huge success around what I'm doing. But the key behind this is, again, asking those questions early in life. So the book has those questions. It's, a, it's basically a toolbox to give people a chance to at any point in their lives, but th- certainly the earlier the better. But at any point in your life, you can stop and start asking these particular questions, thinking about them, answering them. But questions, for example, like, what gets me out of bed in the morning? Mm. This is a really important question. One person a long time ago, I say this in my, my speeches all the time, they basically told me that it was the alarm clock, and that's not quite what we're looking for. <laughs> um, it's what, what really gets you excited and gets you jumping out of bed each morning, rearing to go, and loving your life and loving what you do? That type of question, a, a question like, um, if you didn't need money, what would, I, what would I spend my day doing? And it's a difficult question sometimes for people to separate in life because they say, listen, I have a family, I have cars, I have mortgages, I can't afford not to make money. But give yourself a gift. And I always say this, give yourself a gift and give yourself five minutes, ten minutes to think about where you would really spend your time if you didn't have to worry about money. And if you could align yourself in a situation where you're actually doing that work mm. and getting paid for it, that's an incredible magic of life because that quote, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And you can, you can achieve that, but it's, it's really about asking questions. And that's what I, again, the strategy behind it is asking questions, listening to those responses, thinking about those responses, I indicate in the book to sleep on them to basically each section has an opportunity to sleep on those questions. So you sort of consolidate during the evening and, and sort of come up with the suggestions sometimes when you're, when you wake in the morning, but it's really the the question theory and the question platform is really where the heart of it all is. Well, Lewis is a strong believer, a big believer in the idea of creating a a vision board. And uh, I was wondering, Lewis, if for the uninitiated, you could describe what that is and and how that's impacted your success and in reaching your goals. Yeah. So the vision board is something that I firmly believe in. It's about seeing your reality, your future, seeing what you want. And if you can see it, you can achieve it. And what I do on vision boards, and a gentleman actually who wrote the forward for my book, Kevin Hall, is the one who introduced me to this a long time ago. He's a uh, brilliant man and sort of a visionary in in the space of purpose. And basically, it's a board. It could be a a small board, so a pinup board or a larger board. It could be a piece of wood. It could be a piece of paper, whatever it is, that you see every day that you put on that board your core things you're trying to achieve, the things you really want to achieve in life, either short or long term, things that are most important to you, usually put in the center of the board, and then you sort of expand out with other things. But the key is to try to keep it very focused on things that you want to achieve in life so that you see them every day, they're in front of your face, and it's a reality. And clipping pictures of things you may potentially want, or for me, I'm trying to um, raise money for for certain charities that I work with. So uh, Pencils of Promise is a charity that I, I try to raise money for. And I have, you know, $25,000 right there on on funds I'm trying to raise. And I have my book in the center of this and um, a family vacation that I'm trying to take. So things that are really, really important 
to me are on this board and I see them every day and it gives me that focus and it gives me that so that sense of reality because it's already in front of my face. So I think that's the, the key behind having a very strong vision board is a place where you, you see it every day, the things that are very focused and things that you're trying to achieve both short and long term. And it, it has magical powers. It really works. Well, I appreciated the analogy at one point that you draw in the book, Lewis, between sort of the job interview process and a romantic relationship and, and how in, in both scenarios, we can sometimes, you know, represent only the best sides of ourselves, both parties and, and the dangers associated with that. But at the same time, uh, there's this idea of, of recasting your resume to, to better reflect the job or position that you're seeking. How have you leveraged that? Yeah. What happens is most times when people interview for jobs, they scan the website, a website of a sexy company or, or job they're looking for, and they read the job description, and then they go back to their resume, and they sort of, sort of tilt, they don't necessarily lie, but they sort of tilt the resume to sort of fit the job description. When they go on the interview, they say what they think the interviewer wants to hear and the company wants to hear. And the company side, the company sort of casts themselves in the light of you know marketing themselves for the best candidates. So sometimes they're not necessarily 100% honest as to who they are and what it's like to really work in an organization because they have these great things on the walls and they don't necessarily live them. So then you have a broken relationship because you have the person that's interviewing sort of casting themselves in a in a light that's not really true to themselves and the company doing the same. And six months down the road, you're thinking, wow, we really don't like each other. This job's really not a good fit. And you wonder why, right? Mm. So the, the challenge is trying to make sure that your resume reflects what you really want to do in life. So I always recommend, I've done the same with my resume, is I go back and, and look at my resume and say, if someone were to read this resume, would they give me the job that I really want, that I'm best at, that I'll, I'll be most successful at, that I'll win at? And if the answer is no, I'd probably get a job with this resume, then it's time to sort of rethink it. And I'm not saying that money's not important, a job's not important. Absolutely, everybody needs to make money and needs a job to make money. I fully understand that. But if you find yourself in a situation where you're playing to your purpose and your strengths and your passion, your interests, you will ultimately make more money. More abundance will flow into your life than you could ever imagine. So the key is to find a situation in life where you're, again, playing to your purpose, your strengths, your passions, and your resume is sort of your marketing tool behind that. So however you position that is the jobs you're going to get. And I'm sure there's, I know there's many people in this world that have gotten great jobs as a result of positioning their resumes in a certain way mm -hmm. to fit the job or the company, but may not necessarily be happy. So if your resume is not truthful to who you are and you know i've gone through with my career trying to find jobs and i did the exact same thing i'm talking about i've been very blessed to find some great jobs and be in a great situation in my in my career and do a lot of wonderful things hmm. but now my resume is much more reflective of what i really want and what my interests really really are um and i've had immense success as a result of it so that that's really the key is to really look through your resume and say, is this going to get me a job or is this going to help me fulfill my purpose in life and help me really succeed in what I really want to do? Well, let's say for sake of argument, we've, we've done our homework, we're, we're headed down the right path. Uh, despite that, sometimes despite our best efforts, it can be easy to stray from that path and, and get off it sometimes without even realizing it. Talk a bit about some of the techniques you employ uh, to help stay on track. And I'm thinking specifically of the thing you call SLAM. 
Really having a focused strategy behind anything and making sure that you don't drift off track is important in, in life in general, but certainly when you're trying to pursue a, a focused purpose in life and trying to get yourself on the right track. So SLAM is a concept I have in the book that basically talks about what do I need to subtract myself, subtract from my life? And again, it's the question-based theory that I talk about throughout the book. But what do I need to subtract from my life? So what type of things am I doing in my life that aren't adding value, that aren't really driving me forward, aren't, aren't really driving me towards my purpose and fulfilling my purpose. So what do I need to subtract from my life? And what do I need to do less of? We all know that there's things in life that we have to do, right? I always talk about the 80-20 rule, mm-hmm. where 80% of the time you're doing what you are best at, and 20% of the time are things that we all have to do, like paperwork and bills and things like that. We have to do them. But how do you lessen those type of things in your life, right? What can you do to maybe delegate to others, have other people assist you, um, just things that you can do potentially less and spend more of your time on your strength area? And I will tell you, if you can get to a point where you're spending 80% of your time doing what you're best at and what your strengths are, you will have huge success because most people are not even near that, that uh, ratio. And then what do I need to add to my life? So what, what things are missing, whether it be more time with family, with friends, um, just more fun, mm. things that you're missing, just spend a little time reflecting on what you need to add. And then what do I need to do more of? So again, what are you great at? So I, I love to, to speak on the topic of purpose and I'm getting a chance to do more and more of that, but I'm proactively reaching out because I know it's something I want to do more of. I know it's valuable to me and to the people I speak to and this whole movement around purpose, which I'm interested in. So I actively try to reach out and do more of those types of things. So SLAM basically represents what do I subtract, less, add, and more. So what I need to subtract from my life, what I need to do less of, what I need to add to my life and what I do more of. And those things will keep you on track. And I do this almost daily in my life. I mean, I've gotten these times I'm better because I get, and sometimes I'm worse because I get incredibly busy or traveling and things like that. But whenever I feel like I'm straying, I go back to this model and it helps re sort of reestablish myself in the right path or indicate that I've you know gone way off path and I need to refocus myself. But this is a really helpful tool to help just either get you on path or bring you back on path and every stray. And the more you do it, the more focused you're going to be and the more you're going to hopefully stay on course. I like it. Uh, very helpful. Very helpful for sure. Now, what if I don't naturally, Lewis, see the, the clues surrounding my gifts? I, I don't immediately recognize them. What are some methods for, for bringing those to light a little more obviously? Yeah, you know, I ask a couple of questions. There's, there's tools out there. There's, there's tools like strengths finders and things where you can actually go and understand your strengths better. And some of the questions that I ask that are so, so basic that help give people insight into maybe what they do best is simply the question is, where do I get the most praise from in life? So if you're, if you're doing things in life, there's probably things where people are saying, wow, that's amazing. You do a great job of that. Excellent. Or there's other areas in your life where you get a lot of constructive criticism, for example. People are saying, yeah, you know, you need to do this better, you need to do this better. And that's development opportunities for sure. But if you look through your life and you see, where do I get the most feedback about what I do best mm. um, and potentially what I'm most interested in, that is a, a big clue to help you get off in, in sort of the right direction as to potentially where your, your strengths are. And also asking other people around you what you potentially do best. So just simply asking friends and family, what do you think I do best? 
will help give you insight in that. And the other thing I would say is when you're having conversations about um, anything in life, you will note when you're speaking to someone else, when you cr- come across something that they're really passionate about or interested in, they light up. Their eyes light up. Their body position changes. They speak louder. They speak maybe faster, more energetically. Same thing happens with you, too. So I think mm. back to when I spoke about earlier in this interview, you know, just really keeping your eyes and ears open. So if you're having conversations with people and you stumble across something that you really love, you're going to feel a difference in how you interact around that. Pay attention to that. Ask other people to let you know what they see in you. There's a wealth of insight, but again, asking those questions, reflecting, pay att- paying attention. Um, you, most people know, most people know exactly what they do best and what they're most interested in. Most, almost everybody does. If you just take a few moments to think about it, reflect on it, most people know what it is. Now, getting it is the strategy part of actually pursuing it and using tools like we spoke about with the vision board and the questions and things. But if you just spend five minutes, most people know, even probably 30 seconds, people know exactly what they do best and what, what they're most interested in. And then the next question is, am I doing a job? Am I in the job that plays those strengths and the place of my passion and interest. And if you're not, chances are the reality is you're probably not doing the best job you, you can in that role. And imagine how much more success you'll have if you can answer yes to that question. If I am in the role where I'm playing to my strengths, if I am in a role where I'm getting the most positive feedback, and if I'm in a role where I jump out of bed each morning and love what I do, those type of things will ultimately, they have to yield more results because if you love what you do, right, you spend more time doing it, you pay more attention to it, you work harder at it, people around you are more inspired by you, by what you're doing. So there's there's direct correlation. It just makes intellectual sense that there's got to be a direct correlation behind being in that role and your output and ultimately the reward you get for it. Um, so that's, you know, a long-winded response, but that's really, from my perspective, where it needs to go and that's how you figure it out. There's the danger, too, isn't there, or the possibility of being in a place where you're doing things you love, but maybe being too narrowly focused. I I appreciated what you had to say about a place in your life where you were writing for Forbes and writing for Huffington Post and working on your book, but you were losing sleep about paying the bills. What changes did you make when that was happening and and why? Yeah, whenever I got in a situation in life where things weren't working, I knew my strategy was broken. And um, when we talk about purpose, a lot of teams, it's a very soft, fluffy, gray concept. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's very heart driven and things like that. But the reality is accomplishing anything in life, anything you want to do, you can accomplish if you have the right strategy and the right people around you and things like that. So when I realized that I was in a situation where I was doing a lot of things I love, but I wasn't making enough money and I was losing sleep and it wasn't becoming fun anymore. I realized that I needed to figure out where I spend my time and look at everything I was doing to figure out a better strategy to bring income into what I was doing um, to be able to obviously provide for my family and things like that. And in part of it was making sure I had the right people around in my life. I've had been very, very blessed in my life to have some amazing mentors Mm. and people who have helped move my career along and position me in places to help me grow. So the first thing I did is really look around my life and say, Hey, who is other people I need to speak to that can give me insight into everything I got going on in my life. And 
and give me some focus around that to lead me in the right direction. And where do I spend more time? Even though I loved everything I was doing, do I need to spend more time in this area of something I love doing versus this area mm. that can produce more income for me? And for me, it also meant adjusting my lifestyle because this movement and, and changing your life sometimes radically requires sacrifices. As I mentioned earlier, it's not necessarily an easy road, but I tell you, it is so fulfilling. Now that I'm here and where I needed to be, um, life could not be better. Mm. But I had, I took, you know, we sold my home um, and moved into, we moved into an apartment for a while just to use the, the funds from the home to sort of support my business and what I wanted to do so I could take a step back. I didn't have to stress about having a big mortgage and things like that. Mm. Um, we, we basically reposition our life and I have a great family and I highly recommend, like I say in the book, I mean, you need a good support system to make changes in life and any changes. I'm very blessed with a remarkable wife, two beautiful daughters that supported me in this in journey, but I adjusted my, my personal life, um, substantially to support what I wanted to do. Um, I adjusted my focus of where I put my, my energy. I knew, you know, speaking was something I really love to do. It helped move my my cause forward and it was a way to potentially make money doing that as well as opposed to the writing I do for Forbes and Huffington Post, which I love but don't make a lot of money there. The book takes a lot of time. I had a rude awakening about writing books that you think you write a book, you put it out there, everybody would buy it. it not, it's not the case. <laughs> it's not very, very difficult to sell books. Mm. So I realized that when I looked at my whole strategy is my speaking was, for now, my, my platform to bring income into mm. what I was doing. My books were things to support it. My writings were things to support it. So I had to reshift my focus of where I spent my time that would bring, bring in the most income for me to get me over the hump, um, adjust my lifestyle to do that. And it all worked and it all came together. And now I'm in a situation where I'm doing everything that I love to do. I'm getting paid for it, have a, a, a good life, comfortable life, and... Um, and it's incredibly rewarding. But like I said, it's it's not necessarily an easy course, but it's far better than being in a rut and being in a situation in life where you hate what you're doing. You're you come home to your family each night and you're you're not happy. That's not a good role model for people in your life. It doesn't it doesn't inspire other people around you when you're not happy in life. So if you can get to that place, rewards for you and for everybody around you are significant. So if you put the energy and time in to get there, you, you can get there, but you need to, again, it's about strategy. If it's not working, you change your strategy. You need to look the people around you to help you do that. And that's how, that's how it worked for me. Well, we talked a bit earlier about looking back to childhood for, for clues as to some of our areas of interest uh, in, in, in places that we're, uh, we can excel. And one of the things about us as children is we, uh, we have all the confidence in the world, the sort of sense that, well, I can do anything. But then as we get older, that oftentimes gets lost. Lewis, what are some ways that we can generate or maybe regain that confidence if, if it indeed has been lost along the way? Yeah. You know, I think in most cases, confidence are whittled away by a few bad experiences in life. When you look over your life and you think about all the positive things that have happened in your life, potentially millions of positive things, and you look back all the negative things, and it's usually, you know, maybe one hand, one or two items that have been really negative in your life that, that people tend to focus on. And what a shame when you think about all the positive successes people have in life, and then one or two bad things happen, and it just knocks you out of the boat. The way I 
refocus my confidence is going back to the positive experiences I've had, almost role playing in my head. For example, I've when I first started writing, you know, a few hundred people reading my stuff, and then now I have millions of people reading my stuff. And as much as I get incredibly positive feedback, which just is so rewarding and fulfilling and amazing to get. But every now and then I'll get, you know, a negative comment about something that somebody doesn't believe in what I'm saying. And that's fine. I totally am comfortable and I like that. I like getting constructive feedback. But sometimes I'll get nasty, nasty things that people will say. And number first, first thing I think is why would anybody have time in their life to do something nasty to someone they don't even know? Yeah. Crazy. But but it sometimes I could, I could lose sleep over that. I, then I have to think, you know, this is one person out of – hundreds and thousands that I've got positive feedback. Why is this setting me back? So I think it's, there's a great quote by Dr. Wayne Dyer. It says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm. So if you focus on the negative things in life, that is how you're going to feel. That's the energy you're going to have. And that's the direction you're going to take. If you shift your thinking and focus on the positive things in life, and that's the direction you'll end up going in that positive direction. So whenever I feel myself losing confidence, even before I get in stage, you know, I will, you always get nervous no matter how many times you do it. Um, and I'll think back at, at other presentations I've done and people come up to me after and, and saying wonderful things or things about, you know, value I potentially added to them that makes me feel so good and rewards me for what I'm doing. I think back to those times and then those nerves disappears and I, and I feel confident going on stage because I know time and time again, right, I've done these things and they felt good and I've helped other people do them. So whenever you feel you're in a situation, I tell people, whenever you're in a situation where you're, you're lacking confidence, think back to the times when you succeeded. Even if you're going for an interview, a lot of people have interviewed for numerous jobs and you've got numerous jobs and you go for another interview and suddenly you're nervous and you're, you lack confidence. Think back to the times when you had a great experience. Role play that in the head, in your head. Use it. There's also techniques you can use where even from your body stand positioning, making your body taller and, and improving your posture. And if you're in an interview situation or you're in any situation in life where you feel yourself drifting off in your mind about, you know, I shouldn't be here or um, things that you're, you're, you're distracting you from being great, focus in on the conversation you're having. Focus in on how you can add more value and, and help in what you're doing or communicate better. Um, focus on the positive things and it helps helps pull you away out of that negative pit of of you know, lacking self-confidence because we all have done great things and it's just a matter of where you focus your energies and where do you focus your time thinking about? Do you focus your time on, on the great wins you've had and getting more of those or do you focus your, your, your life on the few problems or challenges or negative experiences and worrying about having another one of those, right? Mm. You focus on having another great, great win and that always gives me confidence. Yeah, that is that is so true. Uh, uh, as I give uh, occasional public talks, I'll, you know, I often get nervous beforehand. And, and the last time I did one was just a couple of weeks ago, and I was just watching the video this very morning. And I remember in the moment, Lewis, not feeling inside really confident. But it's interesting when I watch myself. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that. Uh, and friends have confirmed this. I sound confident what I'm saying, and just seeing myself uh, be able to pull that off. Not feeling that way inside gives me more confidence and makes me less nervous the next time I, I go out. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Jeff, because you know what? I've had the exact same experiences in my life, honestly. I've, I literally felt like I had 
panic attacks like on stage <laughs> and it, the whole world was like staring at me going oh my god what's going on here and then after people say well, that was great and I'm like wow <laughs> so you are definitely right the perception sometimes is not reality and you've got to recenter yourself because yeah. it's usually nowhere near as bad as you think it is in your head yeah I, I think you're exactly right totally totally identify with that uh, well, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you, Lewis, not directly uh, related to the book uh, in the couple of minutes we have left. Before I do that, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we walk away with? Yeah, I think the one thing that's really important in the book outside of the strategy of asking questions is taking life change in small bits and try, not trying to eat the whole elephant at one <laughs> one shot. I mean, when you're trying to make a radical life change and you look at where you where you are today and where you want to go, it could be incredibly overwhelming. And what I recommend in the book is starting with short periods of time. And I have an exercise in there where I talk about 30 days at a time. And if you could design your life to live it the way you want for 30 days, and you can do that successfully for 30 days, you could do it for another 30 days, and you can do it for six months, and you can do it for a year, and then you can do it for a lifetime. So my biggest advice to anybody listening around this and, and trying to make a change in your life, don't get overwhelmed by the distance and the delta between where you are today and where you want to go, because everything happens one step at a time. And the exercise I have in the book helps you sort of do that, but look at, break it down in small bite-sized chunks, put your vision board out there as your long and short-term goals, but break it into short-term strategies. And if you can do that short time, short period of time, you can do it for longer and longer and longer. And then suddenly you'll find yourself living the life you want. And that's an important concept in the book. Well, I, I do highly recommend it, as I said earlier, and, uh, and working my way through it. I think I'm about three-fourths of the way through and getting so much out of it. Um, and it's a book that's, you know, oftentimes we're speaking to authors who have, you know, books that have just come out. This book's been out for a couple of years, I guess, and has been, at least from my perspective, under the radar. So I want to do what I can to help get it above <laughs> above the radar. Uh, and, and speaking of, of books, I'd love to ask you, Lewis, maybe some of the books that have had an impact on you, uh, some that maybe over the years you kind of go back to again and again that you often uh, recommend to others. Yeah. Um, one book that actually continues, I, I go back to probably maybe read it once a year is the Tao of Pooh. Um, and it's a, it's about Winnie the Pooh. It's a, it's a book on basically it's core in, uh, in Taoism, but it's, it, the book opens up. It's a, you know, it's an adult book, even though it's, you know, after a children's character, but it opens up with a, with Winnie the Pooh basically in the forest and sort of wandering and trying to find their way out. And all, all their friends, all his friends are desperately trying to figure out how to get out. And Pooh just sort of lets things go and just wanders and finds his way out. And this book is just, it centers me um, all the time mm -hmm. as to what's really important in life and really connecting again to that purpose and passion. So that's one book that's, um, that's been a real strong Guide, guiding light in my life. Um, another book I love is The Alchemist by Pablo Coelho. And that's a, a great book about, again, a boy sort of wandering through the desert. It's a beautiful, um, beautiful book. And it sort of highlights, again, the importance of staying, staying the course and letting the sort of universe sort of align with you. And then a business book that I I've really love is um, is the 21 year old laws of leadership by John C. Maxwell. And then finally drive by Daniel Pink is a couple other ones that um, talk about some great research about employee engagement. But those are a few books that really, I really enjoy that I probably read on a more regular basis. Mm. You know, I had to laugh as I was reading your book. There's the quote from, from Dr. Seuss, Oh, the places you'll go. 
And I laugh because just a couple of weeks ago, we had a guest. When I asked him this question, he recommended that book. <laughs> it's one that he goes back to, oh, the places you'll go again and again and again. Well, it's funny. Actually, I failed to actually mention that book, but I actually read that to my, uh, my kids, my seven-year-old, my three-year-old, just about once a month. And that book I got actually as an adult as well. So I, I couldn't agree with your other guests more. <laughs> it's, it's a staple and something that I probably read monthly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll finish, Lewis, by asking. What's what's next for you? What are you and your team working on currently that, that has got the juices flowing you're excited about? Yeah, what I'm incredibly excited about now is a concept I'm spending a lot of my time doing research on and finalizing a uh, sort of a corporate platform around is purpose meets execution. And I've been spending, I spent a lot of time in my life the last many years talking about purpose and how important it is in corporations to understanding it, defining it, understanding what your employee's purpose is so you can connect that to your corporate purpose and then you get the true magic of employee engagement. The one thing I realized spending a lot of time in different companies that are strongly purpose-driven and then the other side strongly um, strong in execution is you need both. You need to balance having a strong foundation of purpose, understanding why your organization exists in the first place, what you're really trying to do, what you're going to leave behind, what the the impact you have on the world is, but also being able to leverage that purpose to execute and deliver great business results. Because the one thing you cannot do in any business is you can't change the world by focusing on changing the world. If you're running a commercial business, you need to run a great business. You need to you need to sell more. You need to make more profits so you can invest back in the business and hire more people and can you build your business. And that's how you ultimately change the world. So the new book I have coming out in um, 2017, which I'm working on now and doing some, some additional research on, is that balance between purpose and execution and it being a strong business strategy to really produce exceptional results and sustainability and also attract the new generation coming up, the millennials. I mean, the new workforce coming up by um, 2020, 40% of the workforce will be millennials. Mm. And they, they care about purpose in life. They care about living a life, not having a job and really making a difference in the world. And organizations as big as they are and industries as big as they are and established as they are, if they don't get this, they're not going to be able to compete for the best talent and it's going to be corporate Darwinism. They will die ultimately. So I'm really excited about this new platform, Purpose Meets Execution, because it's going to hopefully change the way business is done. It's going to allow businesses to be wildly successful and sustainable and be able to compete for the best talent moving forward and make both employees and the organization happy and fulfilled. And that's where my focus and energy is right now. Well, let it be said that I will not wait until after that book's been out for a couple of years to invite you back on the show. We'll, we'll get you on next year again when that one comes out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. I do appreciate it. Well, the most recent book, again, is How to Find a Job, Career, and Life You Love, A Journey to Purpose, Fulfillment, and Life Happiness by Louis Efron. Louis, thank you so much for, for being a part of the show. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. Links to each of those books and resources that Lewis talked about, plus links on how to connect with Lewis online, can all be found at the show notes page created especially for this episode. You'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 125 for episode 125. Please consider taking advantage of the free month-long trial offered by our sponsor, FreshBooks. It's an unrestricted trial, meaning you have access to all the FreshBook features. You don't need a credit card for it either. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. 
We've had some recent ratings and reviews come in, all of them five stars. I wanted to say thanks to Layla, who calls Read to Lead an inspiring show. She says it has fascinating content and entertaining guests and that she learns something new every time. Harpoon says, excellent podcasts. Been listening for a few months. Jeff offers very good tips on leadership and other related topics. Love it. Thank you so much. Both of those reviews are from Stitcher, a new one coming into iTunes from Geoman Dave, giving it five stars and calling Read to Lead a great podcast. Dave says, I have a long ride into work every morning and I listen to a couple of podcasts every day. Sadly, though, I'm nearly caught up with Read to Lead and must wait a week to hear new and exciting content. Please keep up the good work. Thank you, sir, very, very much. If you'd like to leave a rating and review in iTunes or on Stitcher, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. For questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next edition of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 